this is always a tough back-to-back. If you lose an hour and then you land at Dallas, you know, you're probably going to get in your room 3, 30, 4 o'clock. And so our guys, you know, they, they probably felt it tonight. But, look, they beat us. They had a back-to-back. They were missing Beal. Um, they attacked us. Uh, closeouts tonight weren't great. And um, they were in that third quarter and beginning of the fourth, it was just one closeout after another, and they would get into the rim. So that, that probably hurt us more than anything. Um, but to your point, yeah, it's a tough back-to-back, but a lot of teams deal with that. Welcome back. Happy Thursday, everybody. Dan Bickley, Howard Balzer filling in for Vince Morata. That, of course, Suns head coach Monty Williams offering up a little bit of an excuse for a no-excuse no <laughs> basketball team. Uh, it is true. Back-to-back games in the NBA are not easy for the team doing the traveling, and the Suns found that out, but there there was not a lot of defensive tenacity. They got down big. Kyle Kuzma did whatever he wanted, and, and that was pretty much a wrap. Suns end up losing by 25 last night to a bad team uh, in Washington, D.C. The biggest story yesterday was the news that Devin Booker is going to sit out a month, recover until he is reevaluated, and it's uh, it's it's an absence of length that you, you can't ignore. It's that's a long time to to get on the shelf, but I think it, it says a couple things here. It, it's it's kind of an admission that somewhere along the line, the return of Devin Booker on Christmas night was probably ill conceived because. He was recovering from a groin strain, and he didn't last four minutes into the first quarter until you could see him talking to himself, and he's out of the game, and now now he's going to miss a good chunk of time. And so last night's game kind of took on a more ominous feel because of that, because we now know that it's going to be a long time before Devin Booker rolls back to help the Phoenix Suns, and so this team's going to have to find a way to make do without him. Didn't do a good job of that last night. And, and Sorry, but the way they're constructed also, because we've seen over the last couple of years them go through long stretches without Chris Paul, without DeAndre Ayton, obviously without Cam Johnson this year, mm-hmm. but they never went out in last season or this season and got that secondary scorer to sort of supplement Devin Booker if anything were to ever happen to Mm -hmm. him. So to me, it's an obvious thing to say because he's their best player, but he's also the hardest one to replace because they don't have the scoring to step up. You know, the the other things, you know, when Chris Paul was out, like, oh, who's going to run the team? Well, campaign can sort of step in and do a sort of facsimile job of that. When DeAndre was out, Biombo and and Jock Landell combined can sort of make up for his production. They just don't have the scoring. No, you know, Dwayne Washington will give you one game every six games, but otherwise you just need everybody to step they up. Don't have they don't have anybody who can do it consistently, and that's your point. Mikael Bridges can't do it consistently. DeAndre Ayton can't do it consistently. Certainly, Dwayne Washington Jr. cannot do Chris it. Chris Paul at this age can't. Chris do it Paul consistently. can't do it consistently anymore. And you're right. That's 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 kind of a thing we we saw that very early on in last year's playoffs when you just looked at the Pelicans and how problematic they were for the Suns. They had two legitimate scores who could create shots and points off the ball without any help. And that wasn't even with Zion playing. And that's with, <laughs> that was, that that was CJ McCollum yeah, and CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram. Yeah. That's yeah. And and those guys, you know, they're they're probably considered A minus B plus scores. They're not the elite of the elite. And so that's something that the Suns have, have lacked and the Suns have lacked a lot. They've lacked a, a real power forward. They've they've they don't have the toughness you need. They've been pushed around a little too often. They're a small team 
don't have a ton of athleticism. So after nights like last night, it's, you look at it and you go, all right, where where's this thing going to go? I'm glad you brought up the toughness thing because I've thought about that since and, – and I'll readily admit I've been in Phoenix for a couple of years. I hadn't – Followed the Suns closely until I got here. But what I noticed, even in the playoff run where they got to the final, and then certainly you mentioned the Pelicans and other teams, and especially in the postseason, is that other teams are able, with their tough toughness on defense, are able to sometimes take the Suns' scores, if not out of the game, really make it hard on them mm-hmm. through games. I said, man, this, but and this t- and this team doesn't have that. No, on the defensive end, on that consistent basis, they'll play good defense for stretches, but they don't have. It doesn't seem to me those those physical guys that can really make it tough for the other team's scores to right. to be to be consistent and and. So so you still have that. So granted, they they don't have what you guys are talking about in the scoring. But when you give up 127 to Washington, yeah, it's I mean, not good. I mean, if, if the defense is playing a lot better, okay, you're not you're not playing as well as you did the night before. You don't have Dwayne Washington Jr. You know, lighting going, it up, going, yeah, lighting right. it up. Yeah. But at least the game is close because the defense is hanging in there, yeah. and you still have a chance in the fourth quarter. Right. To win the game, yeah, and that, that was what was disappointing about last night to me is is the the uh, g- granted it's the second of a back to back. Yeah, you're tired. You got in late. I understand all of that, but there should have been a little more urgency defensively given the circumstances and the situation. Um, Jared had mentioned uh, the the comp of the Golden State Warriors, and it's true when you look at the Golden State Warriors last year um, from March 16th to March 30th. They went on a big, long losing streak. They lost seven of eight games. And this is in a mid to late March. And then in April, they, they finally closed strong and then they ran the table. And, but what that required was that required a first round playoff series win against the Denver Nuggets. That's the kind of draw that the Suns are going to be looking at if they are, you know, if they finish middle of the pack. The idea of, of, Winning late and getting your stuff together late, finding a rhythm and an identity with 20 games left to go in the season, it's doable. You can do it, but you're going to, the playoffs, you're going to have one tough matchup after another. Again, though, like, but even, well, even if you're a second, third, or fourth seed, I, you might have a. Th- but, right. if you're, but, but I don't think you're going to be. You're going to be any not anywhere near the second or the third. I don't believe. No, no. In, a, re- in a regular season, though, that doesn't matter. The seeding also is wonky. Like just because you get the number one or number two seed doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you know the six seven eight seed is not necessarily any worse than the four five six. That seed. was my point. Yeah. Because teams aren't really trying in the regular season. Like the the Suns had the number one overall seed last year, and they really struggled with New Orleans, and then they lost to Dallas, who should have you know were were far inferior seeds. And and keep in mind as well that first round series against New Orleans could have very easily have been a very difficult Clipper team. But you remember Paul George came down with COVID-19 right, right. before that? Right. And so the Clippers kind of lost their grip on a, on a playoff berth. Yeah, this is going to get dicey because <laughs> yeah, cause the Suns are going to have to ham and egg this thing and, and just find to win games, you know, with tenacity right. and defense. And, yeah. just, and, yeah. and, and if you looked at Dallas's record last year after – after when Janu- after January came, mm-hmm. I mean that was a pretty good team in those last few months. So they were in good position to 
Yeah, they peaked to, at the right time. Yeah, to also. do what they did. And the Suns still look like they had it in hand, especially after winning that, what, game five. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but they weren't, they weren't able to finish. And that's, hey, that's what it is in, in all sports. We talk about close games. We talk about, yeah, you have to be able to finish. But that was my point, Dan. I wasn't saying that they were going to be in position to be the number two right, or three seed. Right. I was just saying that even if you are, it. you're still going to have some tough matchups. I get it. Man, what a brutal Christmas night for Valley sports fans. All right. Come, <laughs> yeah, right. Really? Coming up on the other side, we're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. They've got a quarterback this Sunday. It's going to be Colt McCoy. We'll tell you about that decision next. Howard Balzer filling in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, of course. I, mean, I don't ever want to get hit. That's, that's, um, you know, it, it, what happened in the game, it just it just was one of those bang-bang plays. Um, a lot of different moving parts to that play. And, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a violent sport. And I got my bell rung. Um, but... You know, we're playing a different team, a different opponent. They have different fronts, different looks. They present different challenges for us. And I think we just have to go out there and execute in critical situations, right? Like third and shorts, fourth and downs, red zone, third downs. Like things that we just have been inconsistent on all year. You know, if we can nail those things down, that's how you give yourself a chance to win and stay on the field. At the voice of Cardinals backup quarterback Colt McCoy, who will not be backing anybody up this weekend in Atlanta. He is going to be the starter. It's a move that's, uh, I guess, a little surprising from my vantage point, only because, well, because of a couple things. Number one, Colt McCoy has taken quite a physical pounding this year. Uh, you got a young guy in Trace McSorley who you wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind seeing further evaluation to understand wholly what we have with this piece. And then there's also the fact that, whether you want to admit it or not, Cardinal fans don't really want any part of a regular season victory in the last two games. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's the consolation prize theory that if the, if what is going to come out of this football season is a top four draft pick, well then don't ruin that now with meaningless victories. Now, again, that's the way fans think. It's not the way football players and teams think. And so that's kind of the disconnect here. But Colt McCoy getting the start this weekend, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Surprised. I thought that as long as he was cleared, he would play, and he does certainly in the in the old parlance give them the best chance uh, to win the game. And we know what Coach Herm always used to say: "You play, play to win the to game." Win uh-huh. the game. Uh-huh. And I, but I get it. You know, fans would like that high pick. I've always looked at it and thought, okay, well, if you're fourth, or if you're sixth or seventh, or whatever it might be, if you win a game or two, then. If you're good at your job, then you should still be able to get a very good player. Now, I know that every, every, every player that's taken, you know, cuts it back in terms of the players that are, that are available, but it's, it's still, you know, important to these guys. And like you said, the team, they're, they're going out there just trying to figure out a way to win. And, and the other part of it is this. And as Colt said this yesterday, I was brought in to back up Kyler Murray and be the quarterback. 
if he's unavailable. And and that's the case. He wasn't able to play last week. He was pushing to be able to play, and the doctor said no. Mm-hmm. And so now he gets back in there, and the more he plays, now some would argue, well, if he plays these two games, does it really matter for next year? Well, the more you play, the better you can be. And obviously he's been in the league a long time. But nobody has any idea when Kyler Murray is going to be available next season. And there's a darn good chance. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces to this. Mm -hmm. Who knows what the Cardinals front office is going to look like? Who knows if there's going to be a change in the coach? Who knows what what the situation is going to be? But if things remain somewhat stable, then Colt McCoy is going to be the starting quarterback when next season opens. I don't know who else it would be. Yeah. You certainly be you wouldn't be as no matter what Trace McSorley did in the final two games. I don't know that you'd be comfortable with him. And what other quarterback worth anything is going to come here? Derek Carr. Now, uh, <laughs> but why would he? Why would he? When he knows that I know, I know. Yeah. But yeah. the Colt McCoy thing is though. Like, I, let's suppose Colt McCoy plays great these last two games. He's been in the league for what ten years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that. you know what he is. I right. mean, two games should not change your mind on how you're approaching next season at this point. Oh no, no, I'm not saying to change your mind in terms of that because yeah, I'm just saying the, the more you play, then the the better you, the better you're going to be. Even if there is seven whatever number of months it is between week eighteen and then week one next the, the year. The funny thing is, whatever I feel, it is, the, the more you play, the better you. I feel are. just the opposite. I think the more Colt McCoy plays, the worse he is. <laughs> I think he's good. He's good. Like, like to give, uh-huh. he'll give you one or two games a season. I think he's shown throughout his career. The more he plays, the more he shows he's not well, a starting quarterback. Well, let, well let, he hasn't played that many. He hasn't had that many starts. He's played thirteen, whatever the number of seasons. I mean, he's had 34, 35, 34 35 starts in his entire career. So there, there hasn't been many. Twelve hasn't of those have been good. Well, the so teams weren't very good. Uh, well, I guess I guess the question becomes this then. Um, all right, so knowing what we know about the start of next season, and you know it's going to be Colt McCoy because really, there's uh, what else are you going to bring in? Have you seen enough from Trace McSorley to close the book on him? Have you seen enough to know what you think he is and that he isn't going to have a role with this football team going forward? Because if you still believe that he might be, I don't understand why he isn't playing these last. Well, two that's games. that's a, that's a good point because the flip side to what I just said is. Is that if Trace McSorley is needed at some point next year, let's say he is brought back, and I think there's probably a pretty good chance that he will be. We don't know. But if he is, then you can make the point with one start on his resume that it would be better to get another two starts mm-hmm. and then yeah. have have him more prepared next year if McCoy's a starter and something happens to him and he has to play again. Right. So yeah, no, that's that that's a legit point. And, and, I, and maybe it would make sense to put him in there at some point in these last two games, even though Colt McCoy's a starter, let McSorley get some playing time in these last two games. I could I could see I could definitely see the the benefit in doing yeah, that. Yeah, because to me you're right about this. Whether you have the fourth draft pick or the sixth or the seventh if you've got a good GM in place, you're going to get a good football player. But to me, if if there are three great quarterbacks coming out this year, I, to me, you'd want to be in the top five because that is where the trade down gold mines are going to be. If you're a football team that that has access to one of these quarterbacks, you can trade down, you could get a bunch of picks, and you could help rebuild this this real porous roster. Or you could also look at it the other way that if you have the fourth pick and you don't need a quarterback, 
you know you're going to get your pick of any other Pretty player much. at number four. That's right. That's because right. everyone's going to want in the top three. And, and, and yes, and so the Cardinals could do something that they have never that they haven't done recently, and that is go big for an offensive lineman with a with a top ten pick. Now they've done that a couple times in the past, and it hasn't worked out for them. Oh, yeah, it didn't work out with it. Didn't work out with Levi Brown. It didn't work out with Jonathan Cooper. You know, DJ Leonard Davis was, eh, you know, I mean, so uh, uh, looking at this thing, I'm kind of conflicted on that. I wonder if this importance of getting a win it can lead you to infer that nothing is going to happen with the head coach. Because it would seem to me that if, if it's really important perceptually to get a win on the way out, you're looking to soften the landing a little bit. What do you think of from that? A, from a team, st- from a team perspective, from a perceptual standpoint, that it would be easier if you were the owner of this football team. It would be easier to sell the return of Cliff Kingsbury if you get a win on the way out. I mean, these last and, couple of games, yeah, six and eleven or something looks way better the, than yeah, four no, and thirteen. That's true. Winning the last two games looks yeah. way better than losing whatever yeah. it would be at that point six they're, straight or something. They're not. They're not beating the 49ers in that last week this because that game is going to mean something to the 49ers. So they're not winning that game. But they can beat the Falcons. And so I just wonder if there's some uh, some perceptual importance to doing that. If if the Eagles and the Vikings win this week, though, it's not going to mean anything for the 49ers, is it? Because they have four losses? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, they're one loss behind They're one loss the behind the Vikings. And, so I'm and not the Vikings sure. are going to lose to the Packers this week. Oh, they very well might. And, baby. But even if they are a game, be- I'm not sure what the tiebreaker would be. Yeah, it, Some would it, argue, well, it's only a difference. It doesn't even matter. If the game doesn't matter for the 49ers, they're going to smash the Cardinals, you think, right? <laughs> well, it depends, yeah. it depends how many who, who they play. I mean, when you do, do you put Nick Bosa? I mean, he's, he's yeah, making a push that's for the point. He's making a push for a defensive player. Or Christian of the McCaffrey, year. who yeah, they've yeah. been right. lucky with but so far. Kyle Shanahan's already gone on record as saying, "You don't, I don't rest. I've learned the hard way. Right. I'm not resting anybody," which is a real dangerous philosophy. Well, to it take. can be. It can be. And so, a lot of other teams rest guys, and you don't rest too many because you can't because you still need players to play. But yeah. the, the the question becomes though, if they're playing for a possible. And some would say, well, it's only a second or third seed. What's the difference? Well, the difference would be is if you're the second seed, then you're going to have a home game if you after you win your first game. You'll have mm-hmm. another home game, which you might not have if you're the third seed. Right. How does it work now with the playoffs with the extra one team gets a bye? Yeah, only one, one team only gets one a bye. Team so you've, gets got, a bye. You've, got the, you've got seven playoff teams now. So you see, so yeah, so it's a little bit wonky. The word of the day. Uh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> word of the, word yeah, of the only day. Willy so it's so uh, to wrap this thing up. I, I admire Colt McCoy's toughness and his willingness to be out there. I just don't understand why, because it seems to me that that you accomplish more by continuing to see what you have with Trace McSorley, unless you came out of that Buccaneers game going, "Nah, that kid doesn't got it," well, which, well, which I didn't feel. I, I thought it was a I thought it was an uneven performance, but I. I I didn't think he was he did bad. enough no, to he keep them in the he game to beat, you know, win late. He showed some moxie. He he definitely did that. Yeah. The one thing that was troubling is that he obviously was not on the same page with DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, yeah. And there was oh, a boy. strange question asked afterwards about 
not going, not throwing the Hopkins that much. And I'm going, what? He had ten <laughs> targets. Ball ten times. He had to ten him. targets, and he was, and on most of them, the ball wasn't even close. Uh, to him. And so, yeah. We'll get into this in a little bit, but the, just because you brought it up, this is Trace McSorley at halftime. They showed this on Hard Knocks. Hey, F, talk to those uh, gummy bears. Smart plays, man. Uh, I gotta get to the ball somehow. I just gotta find a way to get him the ball, get him the rock, let him touch it. Yeah, that, he said that. Gotta get, gotta try to get it. And he tried to get him the ball. Yeah. But, man, there was, the, there was one play late where. And Hopkins maybe had a step on a guy, but the ball was out of thrown out of bounds. I mean, there was just it yeah. was just totally totally uncatchable. And here, in conclusion, the thing about Trace versus Colt: if you are going into next season knowing you're going to be without Kyler Murray for some games, mm-hmm. and you could potentially have Colt McCoy as your starter, well, you're going to need a backup. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's another reason to sort of see what you have with Trace McSorley. Yeah, I, I I really don't understand this. I but but I, I think I think. I think they look at this Falcons game as a winnable game, and I think they're desperate to stop the bleeding. Yeah, I think you you're right. You saw Cliff looked like at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. He looked yeah. like he was bleeding. Yeah. No, it did. It looked <laughs> like he, he was wearing it. Listeners, what do you think? Text us your thoughts. <laughs> you are so awkward with this stuff. <laughs> I don't so, do this. When you try to get into broadcaster mode, you are so I know. Awkward. It's like when I do it. To the FanDuel text line, 62620 right now. <laughs> there you, know, you go. You know, one quick, you know, one quick thing that was... Strange about the game Sunday, slightly, yeah. only because we didn't know about it. Uh-huh. Hollywood, uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, whatever anybody wants to call him, he came into the game with a little bit of a groin injury, mm-hmm. and he was questionable, and he didn't start, and he didn't play that many snaps, and there was some wondering about that. Well, he told a reporter that he was he was he was benched essentially because he was late for a meeting. Oh, boy. Last All right, week. we'll get back into that in a little bit. That's interesting. All right, coming up on the other side, Zach Larson will take us through the Rush Hour reboot. Howard Balls are filling in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Ah, yes. Every day at this time, we get you caught up to speed on everything you need to know. Normally, Sarah the Ruthless takes care of this. She is on vacation. Zach Larson filling in for her. Zach, take it away. Zach, do you have any nicknames? No. No, I don't. Nothing your whole life? Never a nickname? I've just been going by Zach my life. Although, I I am Zach Attack in certain situations. There you go. Zach Attack (laughs) on the prowl. Go for it. All right. Well, let's kick off this wonky Thursday Rush Hour reboot with the Suns. Last night's game, not not great at all. Completely different from the night before when they fought back against Memphis. Yesterday, the Suns fell behind to the Wizards and just couldn't claw back in. 127-102 to the final in favor of Washington. Monty Williams post-game, very vocal, vocal about the lack of ten- tenacity and fight on the floor. Didn't have the same energy, focus to get to the paint tonight like we had last night in our rebounding. You know, it, it, it hurt us again, but 
again, it, give them credit, man. They're big, and they attacked the paint, and they made some tough shots to start the game, but we gave them 36.4 the first quarter. That put us in a hole. This loss followed the news earlier in the afternoon that Devin Booker is to be re-evaluated for a left groin strain in four weeks, so a whole month without the face of the franchise. With Devin Booker out and a disappointing showing by the team last night, should James Jones begin making big changes with this roster? The answer is yes. Uh, The answer for a lot of people is, well, we're waiting. (laughs) And yet, also, we have to be cognizant of this ownership situation and what Matt Ishbia wants to be done here. This is going to be his basketball team in a matter of weeks. And so I think everything major has to go through him. And that, to me, is going to be very curious because he's a basketball guy. I, I can't wait to see what he thinks about this team he's watched. Because they're fresh eyes. I guess the defini- I guess it comes down to the definition of major changes, but there is the reality that at some point Booker will be back, Cam Johnson will be back, Campaign will be back, and you'd like to think that there might be somebody arriving for Jay Crowder yeah. at some point. But certainly that is a positive in terms of looking uh, down the road for this team. So I, I don't know if it's something major that needs to happen, but obviously there needs to be some... They have to do something. Something, yeah. yeah. something has to be done. It's it's going to be whether or not it's going to be a small complimentary piece or whether they package guys. Guys that we have grown to identify as part of the Suns' nucleus. I, I would say everything's on the table right now. Well, speaking of that nucleus, one thing that stood out from last night's game, the top three scores from last night, Chris Paul, Mikel Bridges, and a season-best performance from one DeAndre Ayton. Ayton's going to try to answer with a three of his own, and he drills it straight away. DA says, yeah, I can do that too. He's got 29 points on the night, one off the season high, and a timeout for the Wizards. DA would go on to score 31 points. Paul had 20, and Bridges, while with only 17, it was his best scoring performance in recent games. These three combined for 68 of the 102 points scored last night. Out of these three, which one of these players needs to step up in Booker's absence and be the team's primary offensive scorer? Yeah, I think that um, I look at this and I I don't think it's fair to ask Chris Paul to do it uh, because I'm not sure that he's got that. I I think campaign is a guy that once he gets back and fully healthy can can give you volume scoring. I I don't know. There's not a lot of options. I would say, I would say, listen. If if, if there was ever a time for Da to step mm-hmm. up and play hero ball, this would be a good time to do it. And not only just offensively. But yeah, I, we all wonder: is this always going to be the Da that yeah. is there? I mean, heck, after that incident in the Lakers game when he got pushed, all of a sudden the guy was like a different player for a few games. And oh, here's the Da we want to see on an every game basis. And then it kind of sort of the story of his career. Yeah, is, exactly. He's a different player for a few games, right? And, and that, then he. Reverts back always. I think the modern NBA, I don't think having just one primary scorer is good enough anymore. No. So even if one of these guys steps up, I, I think they're going to just miss Booker too much. Yeah, no, I did. It's it's it, this is going to be a difficult time for them to kind of kind of not lose too much ground. All right, on to the Cardinals. JJ Watt yesterday stole most of the show with his press conference, but in regards to the quarterback position, there was movement. Colt McCoy out of concussion protocol. He is expected to play against the Atlanta Falcons. There's only two games left this season, but credit to 
Tyson McCoy, he, at 36 years old, he still wants every opportunity he can get. Yeah, I mean, I you know, listen, I told, uh, you know, we had some meetings yesterday. I just said, like, um, Kyler can't play, and you brought me here to play, and I, just, I want him to finish the season strong. And, um, you know, that all hinged on getting cleared and going through the whole concussion protocol. And um, the doctors did a fantastic job. You know, I was fighting to play last week, but they weren't having it. And, you know, I just really was diligent in that whole process, and, and uh, I'm fully cleared, and uh, I'm excited about getting another opportunity this week. We talked about it last segment. There really is a lot of uncertainty about the backup position going on into the offseason. We haven't seen much from McSorley. McCoy is up in age. There's just a lot of red flags. But with two games left, what can we learn about the Cardinals, Colt McCoy, and the quarterback position heading into the 2023 season? Yeah, that to me, the uh, the answer is nothing when it comes to Colt McCoy. I think that's the beauty of what makes him a, ba- a really good backup quarterback is, is you know exactly what he is and what he does well and how well prepared he's going to be at all times. And he's a very good leader and a very good communicator. Uh, that's that's kind of why I, I really want to kind of see and exhaust this Trace McSorley option. It, he was a guy that looked really good early in training camp, as you know, Howard, and 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 he was a you know he's had, he's had a couple of cracks at it here, and I just I would like to see if he can if there would be continued growth, which is why I'm very confused about their decision this weekend. Yeah, as we said in the last segment, I can see both sides of it, and certainly I think it does make sense to get Colt McCoy back in there, but it could also make a lot of sense even if Tr- Trace McSorley isn't starting to get him some snaps in meaningful snaps not just because not just at the end of the game and that that could certainly make some sense too i don't know that they'll do that or if they will consider it but you certainly can make a case for that happening all right and finally we'll wrap up we're at the end of the year a lot of expectations going into this nfl season especially for one division in particular the afc west it's been the same old, same old. The Kansas City Chiefs still rule it. The Raiders obviously have their own mess going on now with Derek Carr being benched. At the end of this season, which division do you guys see, after seeing everything this year, being the best division, and which division maybe being the worst? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, I, I think that the, the best division on paper is going to be the NFC East. Uh, but I don't know how legit these teams actually are. I think we're going to find out a bit about the Cowboys tonight, uh, the Giants, and uh, the Commanders. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to vote there. Uh, the worst division would have to be the NFC South. Yeah. I'll, I'll say the AFC South. Okay. Because it, although... Well, they're, yeah, they're pretty bad too. Yeah, yeah, because at least in the NFC South, you have some teams at the bottom that... You know, you still got Atlanta that's played decent football times. You have Carolina, but the a- the AFC South with with the way Tennessee is trending, Houston yeah. Houston's got the worst record, obviously, in football. And Jacksonville's so, going to win that division. And right? Jacksonville very well might. <laughs> yeah, they they very well might. And so it's but b- both the Souths are certainly really really really. Isn't that funny? Both the Easts are really good, and both the Souths are really bad. Yeah, that's purely. Coincidental. Yeah. There's it, nothing it, you can really it, extrapolate it, from that. And, and just think that when the first round of the playoffs come around, that we could very well, we will 
very possibly have two under 500 teams Ooh. hosting a playoff yeah, game. Said, you, you could that's have the, what the NFL needs. You could have the 8-9 and nine Panthers hosting a 13-win Cowboys, Cowboys team. Cowboys team. Or, and a maybe 8-win Jaguars or Titans who would be the best wild card in the AFC. Either Cincinnati or Baltimore. And probably be Baltimore. And they might have 11 wins. And yet they've got to go on the road to play a playoff yeah, that's game. ridiculous. Never understood why that's the NFL... Do, I, I mean, I understand why they do it and why they say they do it. Mm-hmm. Because they want to reward the division winner with a home game with all division winners. And I say... Even though no. it's totally random what division you're in. Well, that's well, that's partially. And, and the schedule the way it is and, and all those things. But these things happen because you only have four team divisions. And you only have six games in your division. And now you have 11 outside the division. So to me, though, the reward if you win your division is just being in the playoffs. There shouldn't be a double reward How about it? for having... For, for, I'm di- with for you getting a home game. I'm with you with that. Alright, episode 7 of Hard Knocks is in the books. Did we learn anything? Is anybody watching? <laughs> we'll discuss next. Howard Balls are filling in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murat. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Proud of the effort, right? Fought your ass out, battled your ass out. They got a good defense, obviously. You got one of the best players ever. But week in, week out, y'all bring it, man. We just got to find a way at the end. Got to find a way at the end. Y'all keep fighting together, stick together. And we're going to find a way to win one of these. Y'all got me? I mean, y'all play your ass off, like, out there. Like, tooth and nail, scratching, clawing. It just hasn't turned at the end for whatever reason. But I know as coaches, we couldn't be proud of how hard you play, how you play to win each and every week, regardless of what's set outside of here, all the noise, whatever. You show up, you work, you play your ass off. So I couldn't be proud of the effort. We just got to find a way to win one. Welcome back. Dan Bickley, Howard Balzer. That was Cliff Kingsbury at the end of Hard Knocks, Episode 7, following the loss to the Bucks on Christmas night. And with all due respect, um, fighting your backsides off is only part of the deal in the NFL. you got to win football games. That's the bottom line here. So the idea about never mind the outside noise, you guys just keep fighting. Yeah, I get that. And you know what? I, I will say this. when you, One of the things that, that, that struck me from last night's episode was, after they featured James Conner and his mother at Christmas and they kind of went over his whole scare with cancer and his bout with Hodgkin's lymphoma, I received correspondence from people going, man, it's just too bad the Cardinals aren't better because they've got such good character guys on their team. They've got such great stories. And I suppose in 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 on one hand, that's, that's been one of the small victories of Hard Knocks is they've been able to show uh, DeAndre Hopkins and, and his mother's struggles to the nation. They've been able to kind of highlight and feature James Conner. They've been able to show J.J. Uh, Watt and, and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't but know. The, the problem is, though, is that when things are going so bad and when there is such drama, instead of us viewing these episodes as, wow, well, what an inspirational story this is. Wow. It's so great to see these guys' personal lives. Instead, we were saying, why aren't we seeing the backstage well, drama. Yeah. Why, why aren't we seeing this? Because if, if the team was doing really well, you'd be like, oh, this is so great to see all these cool, you know, human stories. But instead, you're like, I don't want to see these human stories. I want to see all the drama that's going on and why this team is playing so bad. Yeah. Well, and, yeah and that's, listen, we, we've felt that from day one with this. 
I think that I see the point there, but I think it also humanizes guys, which I think in a lot of people's minds, there's almost a feeling that they're not human. And, and in terms of playing, yeah, I mean, they have a bad record. But then you can, but I, t- teams tease us also. You know, they'll have those good stretches, but it's like you said, you, you just don't make the play at the right time, or one guy screws up out of 11, and you find a way to lose instead of finding a way to win. And, but like you, you referenced Dan with, with, with the comments you got, you have, you have like a Kelvin Beecham mm-hmm. who wasn't even able to get down in his stance correctly. Yeah. In the right. game last week, but he gutted it out and played after being hurt on the on the same play that Colt McCoy got hurt. I think I think Colt McCoy's collided with with Kelvin Beecham on that on that play. Yeah, and and Beecham not only came back to play this week and played every snap, but in that game he left and then came back. And I asked him last week, man, how tough was that? And he says, well, it wasn't pretty, but I got through it. Yeah, and so that's you know that's what you have here, and he, he's the only guy on offense. That has started every game. Yeah, how about this that? Season. Yeah, how about and, and that? So, so you do you do have, you know those the, those stories that I, I think I think it is important to humanize guys and that and it shows that they care. You know, some people say, oh, they don't really care if they win or lose. They they don't really care. Well, let me tell you something. I know fans care, but there's no doubt about that. But there's no one that cares more with the work that they put in to try to figure out a way to win coaches and and players. I'm not defending anything. I'm just saying I, I think that's. That's what that's yeah. what this that's what Hard Knocks has and shown I, in terms of the you know the, uh, the human aspect. And of build off that just on sort of like the the playing hard thing. A couple of cuts I want to just play from the beginning of the episode of Vance Joseph talking to the team mm-hmm. and trying to sort of motivate them to play hard these last three games. Uh, here's the first one. We spent our morning this morning, okay, as a staff watching the tape, and all I have to do is press play and say, he is out of position, okay, that's a bad call by me, okay, his leverage is not good enough. Those are fixable deals, right? Those are fixable. When he say, why is he loafing, VJ? How do I fix that? He say, why is he not going hard in the backside of that play? Why did I say that? We are the playoffs. So now it's going to, how are we going to fix this moving forward? If you want to be here or in this league next year or get an extension, I'm just telling you guys, the effort part, it can ever be a question. And just one more, something we've been saying all season is we wish the team had more guys like J.J. Watt and Buda Baker. This was sad initially. You've got two guys in Buda Baker and J.J. Watt. Okay? Their best trait is effort. Okay? The profile for NFL safety is not that. It's 5'11", 6' tall. It's 212 pounds. That's not that. But you can't measure his heart and his effort. I was in Houston with Dr. J.J. His effort and how he plays the game makes him J.J. That's why he's Hall of Famer. And they showed showed a, Mm -hmm. a play there. With with Buddha and they circled him and showed him coming around from the from the backside and going all the way across the backfield to make a tackle. Yeah, and those yeah. those guys are the epitome, and those guys should be the examples f- 
for a lot of other guys that oh, are that are young listen, that are young players. I've said this repeatedly, and that is J.J. Watt and Buda Baker, the exemplary toughness and commitment they've shown to this team, to making sure that they're out on the field and being accountable like that. Not only is it worthy of admiration, but it's really kind of kept this thing from really disintegrating, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, when you take a look. Uh, at Buda Baker, we found out, you know, yesterday or on Tuesday that he was on IR with a fractured shoulder that he suffered in that game against Tampa on that big flare pass to Leonard Fournette at, at near the end of the game. And, and didn't he, miss a snap. And didn't miss a snap afterwards. And that, that to me, it's not surprising to anybody who knows Buda Baker, but dude was in serious pain at the end of that football game and kept balling out. And you have to admire that. And without guys doing that, uh, you, you shudder to think where this football yeah. team would be. What would have what would have kept this team together if not for those right. guys? And that happened with Buda earlier in, earlier in the season yeah. when he suffered the ankle injury. Yeah, and he just he just kept going. But the loafing angle is an interesting one because I thought the show. I had seen this clip earlier in the day, and then watching the show, I'm saying, well, "What happened to that clip? Where it wasn't during the show?" Well, they actually showed it as the credits. We're playing. And last week, Sean Jefferson, the receivers coach in the receivers room, had put up on the board a tape of Franco Harris and the immaculate reception. Mm-hmm. And this was, I don't know what day it was in the meeting, whether it was the day after Franco passed or on Thursday, whatever. It doesn't matter what day it was. And as he's showing, putting this up there, he is saying this. He's saying, Franco Harris was a bad boy. I don't know if this guy was a beast, man, a beast on that immaculate reception. He was probably in the right spot, right where he was supposed to be to be able to get that. Well, the truth is, as Franco has said many times, is that in college, uh, his head coach, Joe Paterno, Uh said, you're running back. But when you see that pass go down, throw downfield, you follow the play. You follow the play. And that's what he did. Uh And that's why he was in position to make that catch. And then Jefferson said, if he'd been loafing on that play, never would have got there. This is one of our heroes, guys. Big time. Pull up his credentials. And then Hollywood Brown is on his phone. Pulling him up? He's pulling him up. (laughs) And he's reading. Uh He's going, it's... It says he's a four-time Super Bowl champion. And Jefferson says, keep reading. <laughs> and then it goes to Offensive Rookie of the Year, Pro Bowls, All-Decade Team. Didn't even mention Hall of Fame, which was kind of weird. But then Jefferson said this to close it out, guys. He said, I'll tell you about this man. He was a giver. NFL Man of the Year, right? That tells you he cares about people. I thank him for paving the way for me, for all of you, really. All those Christmas gifts you're getting people this year, that money, thank him for it. Wow. And part of the hard knocks a couple weeks ago was J.J. Watt in the meeting room saying, hey, guys, there's sign-up sheets for you to sign up. To, to give money for all the people that take care of us, that, that clean our, <laughs> our crap every right, day, right. that unload the plane. That, uh-huh. And he alluded to that yesterday in the press conference. And, and then it showed guys signing up, you know, signing up the sheets to give the gifts. And I said something to J.J. yesterday as he left the press conference. I said, hey, J.J., how'd it go with the team? Did they step up uh, with, with, with the gifts for the, for the support staff? And he says, yeah, they stepped up big time. So. Those those are the important things too, and I think that will be that'll be a big part of JJ Watt's legacy. Not only what he did oh, on the no field, doubt. but what he did off the field and with younger players and in the community. It's it, it, like again, it's a real 
That, that should be a role model for all players and how you approach and the, the game and how you approach your life. And a couple more quick ones just from Hard Knocks highlights, I thought. Speaking of J.J. Watt, sort of an interesting foreshadowing, a small conversation between DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt. Take from it what you will here. Three more weeks of it. Now is he talking about doesn't know what the future holds for you, J.J.? Uh-huh. Doesn't know what the future holds for me with this team as DeAndre Hopkins? I would be stunned if DeAndre Hopkins was a member of this team next year. Stunned, really? Yeah. I know there's talk of that. I don't know if I'll be stunned if he is. It wouldn't surprise me if he isn't. But, man, I don't know how many, how many, how much, how many great players can you move on from? And I think he's going to want to move on, is well, what well, I believe. And then they, the case, perhaps. And then yeah. they give the, a new contract to Hollywood, then? See, I wouldn't do that. I And, and we're going to get into Hollywood Brown in a little bit. But I, listen, I think, pretty- I think Hollywood Brown is a good wide receiver. I don't think you invest uh, number one wide receiver money into Hollywood Brown. That's just me. Do you use the fourth pick on a receiver then? Because you're going to need somebody if you get rid <laughs> uh, of both. Of us. I, well, no, there we go. I, I listen. I, I again. I would not. If 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 DeAndre Hopkins wants to be here, I'm not trading him. He's he's obviously a difference maker. I just you know he wanted out of Houston for a reason. And what what he's seen this year and what might be the short term future for this football team. I don't know. We know we know he wants in the Hall of Fame very badly. That was made very clear in Hard Knocks. He knows a, a ring would go a long way to make people kind of look past the suspension he had to deal with this year. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what he is all about after this season's over. All right, we've reached the midway point of Thursday's show. The Bickley Blast is next. Howard Balzer and for Vinny, I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.